All you reality TV lovers, we've got an extra special episode of The Girls Uninterrupted with our very own Aisha Scott from the latest season of Below Deck Mediterranean, all thanks to Hey You, the best of reality TV. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. No, I said it first. I said, no, come on. I think I was pretty close. And I lost last month, but I was pretty close that month. Dan, you know what the month is, right? You've clocked December, it. December, I believe they call it in France. Yeah, indeed. It's December. Unbelievable. We've made it to the end of the year. Merry Christmas, Jess. Merry Jace. Christmas to you, Mo. And hey, a little early Christmas present. We found out uh, yesterday that Newsable, we've got the Bronze Award in New Zealand uh, Podcast Awards for Best Current Affairs Podcast. So yay us and yay to you guys for uh, continuing to listen. We very much appreciate it. We very much appreciate it. Anyway, on with the show. Kelda, this is Newsable. I'm Jess. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. Sexuality and consent education is another thing scrapped under our new government. What will it mean for our tamariki? We speak to the academic who wrote the guidelines. What do you think has better odds? You living to 100 or starting a business that lasts 10 years? Find out. So, ACC's had more than a million bucks worth of Christmas tree-related injury claims in the last 10 years. We're asking how, we're asking why, and we're asking what to avoid this silly season. And if that wasn't enough, we've got the one and only King Capisi is also on the show. You heard that right, King Capisi. What a treat today is. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. You may have heard about this already, but one of the many, many, I'm going to put another one in there, many things on the policy (laughs) scrap heap under this new government is sexuality and gender guidelines being taught in schools. And that's what we want to dig into a bit more today. It comes as part of the deal between National and New Zealand First, who campaigned on removing gender ideology from the curriculum, even though it was actually a New Zealand First MP, Tracy Martin, who introduced these guidelines back in 2020. There are two guideline documents, one for years one to eight, that's primary and intermediate for anyone unfamiliar or struggling to remember, uh, and another for years nine to 13, which is high school. Education professor Katie Fitzpatrick led the team which wrote those guidelines and she joins us now. Kia ora. Kia ora. Katie, what was your reaction when you learnt these guidelines which you wrote uh, would be scrapped? Well, I think it was it was a bit of a surprise, really, because New Zealand First certainly didn't campaign specifically on the guidelines. They did campaign around some issues around gender, but these guidelines are about relationships and sexuality education as well. Of course, gender is an issue that's addressed in there, but this is much, much bigger than that as well. We say guidelines, but what's it actually mean in a classroom context? What are kids actually being taught? Yeah, that's that's a really important point, actually, because the, the New Zealand curriculum, which is mandated in all schools, has you know, learning for health and physical education across the whole spectrum of different topics and learning areas. These guidelines are a supplementary document that just helps schools get a little bit more information, delve in a little bit deeper to give them some guidance in this area around how to create schools that are safe and inclusive learning environments and what specifically they might think about teaching. But they are guidelines. They're not mandated by the ministry. They're, they're not enforced in schools. So in that sense, it's it's quite a strange decision to to remove them as well. And why do kids need to learn that stuff? 
Well, if we just think about the sort of environments that that young people are growing up with and engaging in, online pornography is ubiquitous now. Dating is happening on apps, TikTok and other social media apps are spaces where young people are engaging with issues of gender and body image and intimacy. Um, That's really normal for young people. And I think some of that can be really positive. And it's great if schools are engaging with the worlds of young people. The other important thing is young people have asked for this. So there have been successive petitions to Parliament asking for for better consent education, for better sexuality education, to learn about relationships. We have high sexual violence um, statistics and young people have said they've had enough of that and and they want to learn about it, they they want to be empowered, they, they want to understand how to navigate that. What are the flow-on effects if kids don't get this kind of information at schools, do you think? Well, we know that from international research that really good um, relationships and sexuality education is really protective. It it actually tends to delay first sexual intercourse with a lot of young people. It also is protective in terms of young people understanding about consent and what a healthy relationship is. We're on a we're on a journey in New Zealand. We don't have this, you know, implemented in, in any kind of consistent way across schools. We haven't really seen the the impacts of of good relationships and sexuality education yet, and some of our worrying statistics might also reflect that. And what about gender ideology and learning about gender? Why is it important that kids learn that at school? Yeah, so the the term gender ideology is is um, is being misused right now. Um, an ideology is is around a, a theory, a way of thinking, a knowledge tradition, and all curriculums have various knowledge traditions. In the relationships and sexuality guidelines, there are actually a whole series of different knowledge traditions included, including education psychology, epidemiology, communication studies, education sociology. So. The term gender ideology is problematic and it's being bandied around in ways in ways that are that are troubling. However, the idea that we want to remove gender from the curriculum is pretty naive. We're all immersed in gendered environments. Young people are curious. They want to know about it. There is some contestation of ideas around, around gender and identity. I think we want to open up those discussions rather than close them down and, and try to remove knowledge from the curriculum. That just seems really repressive and like a backward step. You have an education professor, Katie Fitzpatrick, who led the team who wrote these guidelines that now look like they're going to be scrapped. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Coming up, we speak to royalty. Okay, music royalty, Kiwi music royalty. I'm narrowing it down pretty far. It's King Kabisi, I'll tell you. It's King Kabisi. And he's taking on some quite unusual royal duties. Stay tuned to find out what those are. Here's a fun fact for your Friday. It is a humdinger. Did you know you are more likely to live to 100 than have your small business survive past 10 years here in New Zealand? It's unbelievable. That one comes from Statistics New Zealand and it's even backed up by the UK's Office of Statistics. In fact, if you're in the food, beverage, retail or accommodation business, the chances of surviving past 10 years gets even lower. We know it's tough out there at the moment, but it is still quite startling to see this in black and white. But while the chances are slimmer than cracking 100 and getting a letter from King Charles, it (laughs) is still possible. And one Auckland bar... Eagle Bar on K Road is celebrating its 10th birthday this year. So we've got owner Kurt McIntosh on the line for a korero. Kia ora. Uh, kia ora. Kurt, 10 years in business. Based off these figures, congratulations. What <laughs> an achievement. Talk to us about uh, running and owning a bar for a decade. 
Uh, yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's an adventure, really. Mm-hmm. You, you know, 10 years is a long time. It has its errors. Um, I always say it's a bit like raising a child, you know, early on. It needs constant supervision, and you never quite know. It's very unpredictable, and you never know what's going to happen. And then hopefully if you do a good job, it transitions into finding its own feet and becomes a little bit more independent and carries on and grows into its own eventually. So it is hopefully getting less stressful, but with the cost of living and all the stuff like that that we keep hearing about, in that way, is it getting harder? For us, we're really lucky. We've got a really loyal local base of people. Um, COVID was absolutely the most stressful time we've ever been through. But again, really lucky. Every time we were allowed to open the doors, there were people outside banging on them. So yeah, I, I know it's very hard for a lot of businesses out there, but, but for for us, we're, we're still going pretty strong. Well, of course, K-Road is such a community. So I imagine you do talk to the businesses in the near vicinity and, and up and down there. So what are they saying? Is it is it tougher now than 10 years ago? It's different. I mean, the road's gone through a lot of changes, almost almost full circle really mm. in 10 years and there's been ups and downs you know there's there was the street upgrade for two years that made things really difficult but you know we have a nice beautiful street now uh they've just removed parking recently as well so there's a lot of controversy over that because mm. it does hurt the local businesses but th- there's no easy answers with that kind of stuff but like i said we, you go through different periods I, I know you've obviously had a decade and huge congratulations, but is it still gutting to know that other small businesses probably won't make it to 10 years? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I feel for them, especially under the conditions that we've been in for the last four years. I've seen a lot of businesses that had just started out, say, just before 2020, mm. you know, they just they just didn't have the solid foundation behind them to pull through. Whereas on the other hand, I'm really happy for a lot of the other long-time businesses in the area who have pulled through with the, with the solid foundations of the K-Road community and just really grateful for that. And I know they are too. Kurt McIntosh from Eagle Bar on K-Road. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat. I have another Christmas tree question. Because stuff is reporting today that chopping down a wild empire, those are the ones that you kind of see scattered all over the place, taking that as your Christmas tree is in fact a crime. So as well as landing you on the naughty list, it could cop you $10,000 to the judiciary. $10,000 for cutting down a Christmas tree. To the judiciary? Are you asking usable listeners to confess to a crime? I am asking usable listeners to please confess to a crime, but anonymously, we're not oh, going to yes, tell no anybody. Names, no names ever. Yeah. And bonus points, actually, if you can send us a picture, I would love to see a picture of maybe a wilding pine that is 10 foot tall, way too big for your living room, that's had to curl over, you've put all your Christmas decorations on it and it's still not full, crammed into your living room. I'm, I'm sure someone out there will have something for you. Make sure you head to our Instagram, vote in our poll, send your pictures in. Search us at Newsable NZ. It is somehow the 1st of December. I know I, the shock is starting to wear off. Now I said it a few times, but still, I don't know how we've got here. Holy, holy moly. Though, the one thing it does mean, officially, MO, is that we are now in silly season. Silly season indeed. But of course, silly season also means we might be dabbling in a few more vinos. It might mean we're more rushed. We might be run down. What I'm trying to say is that things can go wrong if we're not careful. In fact, in the last decade, around 2,500 New Zealanders have suffered injuries related to Christmas decorations and gifts. 
according to statistics from ACC. So here to talk about things that we should avoid this Christmas period is James Whitaker from ACC's Injury Prevention Team. Kia ora, James. Kia ora. Thanks for having us. First of all, what are the most common types of injuries you see people making claims for around this type of year? Christmas trees are the standout. They're the main culprit. So you just mentioned before, Imogen, that there's like two and a half thousand injuries relating to Christmas over Mm. the last 10 years. 1,200 of those are linked to Christmas trees. And people are mainly hurting themselves when they're lifting, carrying and moving those big, bulky, awkward, odd-shaped things, you know. We also know there's nearly 400 that are linked to putting up um, Christmas decorations. Mm -hmm. Lifting and carrying is one of the main contributors to all injuries that ACC supports. Same with falls. So in any given year, there'll be over 300,000 people who are supported to recover from a carrying or lifting injury. And I just mentioned falls before. There's over 700,000 people who are supported to recover from a fall each year. If you mess yourself up putting up your Christmas tree, James, then that's like, you're going to miss the best bit of Christmas probably if you put your back out and that's going to be painful for the next Yeah, it's a buzzkill. It's a buzzkill for the injured person, for their whanau. How dangerous are Christmas hams? Christmas hams. Well, it depends how you approach it. Give me the numbers, James. There's a few hundred people injured by Christmas hams, (laughs) right? But um, the thing is, it's mainly cuts. And if you want to avoid a cut in the kitchen, there's really simple things you can do. So the first thing is use super sharp knives. You put way less pressure on when your knife's super sharp. And also cut it on a a cutting board with like a towel underneath so it doesn't slide around and stuff, and that will help. And then the other thing is, you know, if you want to avoid dropping something, then make sure there's no clutter in the kitchen, no dogs or cats or kids in the way while you're doing things in there. No dogs while you're cutting a Christmas ham, James, is a pretty (laughs) steep ask. (laughs) But I see what you're saying. And of course, sort of what you touched on before, these are funny to talk about and imagine someone writing, I have hurt my back because I fell while putting Christmas tree decorations up on their form. But, you know, we talked about Christmas period. It's, 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 it's a shame if someone's injured, but also some injuries can be lifelong. So nobody will go forward and seek help and then be supported by ACC if it's not pretty serious, right? Even though the causes might sound a bit quirky or something, it's it's not actually funny. Like, it's not nice to be in pain Mm. or to have to change your plans and all of that kind of stuff. It's kind of funny, not funny. Totally. And I guess the message in summary then is, like you said, even though it's a really exciting time and everybody's pumped for it, just take that extra couple of seconds, couple of minutes and make sure you know what you're doing before you do it. Totally. Exactly. No matter what your plans are. Some top tips there from ACC's injury prevention lead, James Whitaker. Thank you very much for your time. And I will uh, leave it up to you to come to my house and ask my dog to not be in the kitchen (laughs) while I'm cutting the Christmas ham. I'm not telling him. (laughs) It's like good cop, bad cop or something. Something we've only teased up until this point in the pod, we do apologise, is that King Capisi, Kiwi Music Royalty, has teamed up with MasterCard and is going to be writing letters to a bunch of local businesses who are turning 10. Get it? Because King Charles writes letters to people who turn 100. And you better believe we've got him here now for a yarn. G'day, what's going on? G'day, Talifa. It's it's an honour to be here to represent small businesses. I'm actually a, you know, a small business myself, too. So to be able to give props and big up 
uh, small businesses, you know, for getting to the milestone of 10 years is a great thing. And your Royal Highness, yes. would you please give us a flavour of this letter that business is turning the big one oh, we're going to receive? Okay, kia ora and talofa. I heard you've reached 10 years in business. Congratulations. Small businesses make up 97% of businesses in our country, but it's tough out there. Only 27% of small businesses make it through to a decade. An achievement that is significant deserves a letter from the king. So I, King Kapisi, along with MasterCard, wish to show our thanks and recognize yourself for your contributions to the community your hard work and dedication uh, doesn't go unnoticed so here's to many more years of success yours truly king capisi nice very nice very royal and regal i like it now other than kind of you know doing your royal work acknowledging the hard work of small businesses what are you up to otherwise what keeps you busy i do quite a lot of other things i'm in the basketball community where i organize uh, hoops and life basketball tournaments up and down the country and sort of just getting our kids and communities to get out and about so you know play four on four but also i um, partner with other businesses and partners to take kids up to snowboard and uh, ski up at um, uh, Coronet Peak Remarkables and Mount Hutt. So yeah, there's a lot of community work we're doing. And basically, I'm just out there to see if we can make a difference out here in Aotearoa. Your Royal Highness King Kapisi, thank you so much for taking some time to have a all. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you guys. Shout outs going out to each and everyone. Peace of love. King Caps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today on League of Our Own, we chat with our feline friend, West Tiger and soon-to-be Panther, Isaiah Papali'i. See what I did there, like Larry? It. Yeah. Like the Warriors are 12 matches down with 12 to go. We talk their season to date, and if they could still land a final spot, we preview round 14 with the Wars and Townsville and a whole host of massive matches, including the Bronx and the Sharks. And we are officially in the state of origin window. It's an Australian representative competition, yet Kiwis... <laughs> Love this thing. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. So by now, we should all be familiar with how this works, but on the off chance you've forgotten, you weren't listening, <laughs> you are new here. We're playing Is It Cake once again. Two beautiful headlines stand before me, but only one of them is real. The other is fake. The other is cake. Let's cut into them and see which is which. Obviously, if you've been on the Instagram, you know the headlines. I'll read them out one more time. Mm. Eurostar train passengers report sightings of floating orbs versus missing windows discovered on plane bound for US while in the air. Everyone thinks it's the train and the orbs, according to the Instagram, but what does well, Jessica McCarthy How think? could you possibly survive a, a missing plane with windows? I think you might have overcooked it there and come up with something that's not actually physically possible. Not that floating orbs are possible, but people can have delusions all the time. I wonder what, if this if this Eurostar was coming from Amsterdam, people could have been seeing all kinds of things. Floating orbs <laughs> is probably like the least weird thing they could have been I seeing. I see what you're saying. All right. I will, I will back... Eurostar people, probably from Amsterdam, probably have had quite a big weekend and are seeing things that aren't there. It's the plan. 
A US-bound plane took off from London last month with four damaged window panes, including two that were completely missing. That's not damaged. They're just not there. <laughs> According to a UK air accident investigation, no one was injured, but the missing windows weren't discovered until the plane was climbing at an altitude of 13,000 feet. This is the funny bit. Several passengers recalled that after takeoff, the aircraft cabin seemed nauseous and colder than usual. <laughs> <laughs> a crew member walks to the back of the plane, spots the window seal flapping on the left-hand side, uh, and then the pilots reduced the speed, decided it was time to turn around um, and take a look at the windows. Jeez! There you go. Oh. No one must have been sitting next to that because I think I would have pressed my receptionist call bell and said, excuse me, my headphones aren't working and also there's no window there. There were only 20 people on board the plane. It's, 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 it's too much to get into, so let's not ask too many questions. But yeah, the missing plane is the is the, is the real Eurostar. Is well cake. done. Thank you everyone for playing along for another Is It Cake. Uh, we'll have plenty more where that came from. But for now, that is Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells. I'm Jessica McCarthy. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great weekend and we'll catch you next week. If you liked listening to this pod, help us make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz support. It appeared that a vehicle may have gone over the 80-meter cliff into the sea. There have been no bodies found despite considerable debris being washed ashore. Nine years ago, a man named John Beckenridge abducted his stepson, Mike Zhao Beckenridge. Soon afterwards, they vanished. Now, a new investigation is trying to find out what happened to them. This is The Lost Boy. Listen on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.